Who wants to be an entrepreneur? This isn't a quiz show. This is reality. A real-life discovery of what it really takes to be an entrepreneur. Welcome to a new season of podcast episodes of personal and business coaching topics and techniques around the three pillars of HEW, health, excellence, and wealth. HEW is introducing guests to the Who Wants to Be an Entrepreneur show based on their own personal experiences. A full real-life account of trials and tribulations of what it takes. Hello and welcome to the HEW podcast, episode 056, where this week it is another interview with a guest of mine who actually has been a client of mine in coaching one-to-one for the last 12 months if not more. It's a fantastic Mrs. Lauren Brady, the new Mrs. Lauren Brady, where, yeah, I wanted to bring Lauren onto the show to introduce her and let her share her own experiences and stories behind her own coaching journey. 12 months of coaching is quite a commitment and she has so much to offer and so much to share about her own personal growth and her own personal journey that it is invaluable because part of the What It Takes series with introducing different guests and business owners into it is about what it actually takes. And that's all well and good once you're in an established business entity already. With Lauren, therefore, it comes from a different perspective of the first rung of the ladder for what you need to consider and what you need to start looking at once you are open to the fact and open-minded to the fact of, you know, everybody needs some guidance and some extra little help when it comes to your own personal development, when it comes to looking at your objectives and what you actually do want to achieve in life, how then you can improve on that to then take that further into the business field. So Lauren has been in paid employment, a really, really successful career that she's carved out for herself as a project manager in the technology industry, focusing primarily on sales and marketing. And Lauren moves from project to project and basically goes where the work is and where the projects are. So very, very adaptable and very fluid in how she works and how she can actually juggle multiple things at once. It's interesting because Lauren has said to me about the fact that there's entrepreneurs and there's intrapreneurs. And within Lauren's field and as a project manager, it's always been promoted that as a business employee, she then takes on responsibility through the business as though it's her own business. This naturally therefore then grows her as an individual into having that responsibility, that creativity and that that absolute ownership over everything that she's doing as though it is her own business, which naturally then carves the way out for her for looking at actual entrepreneurship herself. So without further ado, let me introduce you to uh, the wonderful Lauren. And thank you so much for uh, for giving up some time here on your Sunday and joining us on the show. And yeah, welcome Lauren. Thank you for having me. So Lauren, first and foremost then, obviously I've just given a little bit of background about, you know, who you are and, you know, what you're currently doing. Um, talk to me about your first initial sort of understanding and grasp of self-development and coaching no problem so it's something for me in the in the nature of the work that I I do I'm you know I started my career a little bit by accident so I was at university uh, and I was studying with the intention to go on to become a teacher and go into a very uh, you know structured field I had a really academic background I'd done well in school I'd done well in all of my studies and to be honest without a huge amount of effort and with hindsight I can look back and go 
I probably didn't apply myself to an extreme level because I wasn't that into what I was doing. So while I was at university, I took a summer internship and it was just to gain some experience and like most students to make some money. So I fell into the world of sales and marketing. Loved it from the very start, from the get-go. Um, loved talking to people, loved the energy and the enthusiasm of the people I was around. Uh, you know, sometimes this world of sales can get a, a, a funny rep and people can be like, you know, I don't want to do sales or I do want to do sales. Um, I didn't feel strongly either way. All I knew is that I wanted to make great money. As a student, I wanted to do something that gave me experience and wasn't just, you know, you know, data import or hospitality work or anything like that. So I came into this world, you know, at the very, very start of my career and personal development and personal growth was a huge part of it. Understanding your attitude, understanding your levels of enthusiasm, understanding that the more you learn and the more you grow in the world of sales, you know, the more sales and the more money you're going to make. So I suppose it's always been around me and I took it for granted a little bit in my earlier part of my career because people were always talking about goals. People were always talking about their vision. People were talking about what they wanted to achieve, you know, breaking personal best, pushing your comfort zone. So that conversation was always around me. And so I may have taken that for granted earlier on because when I realized a few years later when all of my friends had graduated and people were starting in the, their start of, you know, their corporate careers or, you know, I've got a, a lot of friends who were teachers or who were solicitors or who were in you know, the medical profession. And I was like, oh, they don't get those conversations at work. They don't have a mentor. They don't have someone who's pushing them to be the best of themselves. So yeah, I was always around it and didn't even realize for a long time that may have been what drew me to that field is that growth mindset and that ability to push forward and develop. So with that in mind then, obviously you had that sort of unconscious exposure to mentoring and the the fact that you're around people who mm. push you and, and support you and, and extract more from your potential. At what point did that change from it being an unconscious learning to then you saying, I need more from that. That is for me and I am 100% switched onto it to really see how I can grow. So there was a couple of turning points. So I started this internship as a student and then I actually decided to delay my studies, much to the joy of my mom and dad. <laughs> uh, my dad's an entrepreneur and has been self-employed uh, for as long as I can remember. So he was like, go for it. My mum, on the other hand, you know, I just as all families do, they just want the very best for you. My mum was like, could you not just finish your studies and then pick this up in a couple of years? So we made a deal that I would defer from my university course rather than quit it. I'm pleased to say I'm still deferred from that course. I never ended up going back. But I became self-employed and decided to pursue my goal, which was to open and run my first business. And I was 21. So I was self-employed then for five, six years. I had a great time, like genuinely had a ball made great income, expanded the business, learned a lot. But then I got to sort of 26, 27. And now I can see very clearly with hindsight, which is obviously a lovely thing, I was just completely burnt out. I was working, you know, 60, 70 hours a week. I was on the whole time. I was, you know, at that point in my life, working really hard, playing really hard, traveling a lot, and certainly not putting myself and my health first. So I got to 26, 27, and I decided to close the businesses and you know I'm very pleased that they were, had been profitable and I'd been able to set myself up you know buy my first house and I actually stepped away 
from being self-employed. Um, I took a little bit of time out and then I was approached by a great contact that I'd made over those years and who had been an ongoing mentor of mine and someone how, you know, who was very successful himself. I respected a lot. I respected his achievements. I respected his character and I respected what he was building in the future. And that's when I took the next step, which was into an employed role. Very openly, we, I remember the conversation was, why don't you come and help me out for six months within my business and see how it goes? And at that time, I, I think I'd lost my purpose a little bit. I'd lost my clear vision of what I wanted for myself. So then I stepped into an employed role and was able to do lots of different things within that role and within that industry. It was a great move for me because I was able to travel all across Europe, as far and wide as you know Australia, New Zealand and back again, all with business. I was working with um, young entrepreneurs, helping them to grow their businesses with the experience I'd gained. But then I was learning new skills as well of how to work with business owners. Because I had experience myself, I knew that I had to have a balance of when you're working with entrepreneurs and anyone who's running their own show, you can't tell them what to do and it's not your place to tell them what to do. But it was my place to help guide them, help work with different clients, work with them on their sales coaching, on their recruitment, on their overall business strategy. So because I was back in that environment, but in a different role, I always felt like I still had a part of it. Even though, yes, I had the comfort of a salary that went into my account every four weeks. I had incentives and bonuses, you know, coming from being a self-employed person, you know, there was never going to be a chance that I didn't, I needed a goal. I needed a target. I needed an objective that was financially rewarded. So that was all great. Um, and then a few years ago, as businesses grew and developed, I stepped into the world of technology. So the industry was changing. We needed to grow the side of the organization that helped the sales team with the technology they needed to do their roles. And that's where I stepped into the next part of project management. So I was aware of self-development and I was aware of, you know, that growth mindset the whole time. I suppose the actual turning point, and that's when I started working with HEW, was I, I pitched for a new role internally. I knew it was out of my comfort zone. I actually knew I didn't know how to do the job. And I'd heard this statistic a few times that the difference between many men and women, a bit of a generalization, I'm aware, so don't kill me on this one, but is that when you look at a job description, often a man will look at it, know they only have 50, 60, 70% of you know the skills and they'll go, brilliant, I'll apply anyway. A female may look at the same job description, know they only have 90% of the skills and go, oh no, I don't have 100%, I'm not gonna apply. So I threw my hat in the ring, I went for it. I actually got the promotion, I was chuffed a bit, dead excited, but I got some feedback. And it was from that original mentor who, when we had the conversation, come and work with me for six months. Uh, and this is a good eight years later, so good six months uh, time scale. He gave me some really good, honest feedback. And I was in a place that I was actually ready to hear it, not as personal criticism, but I could hear the truth in what was being said to me, which was, you need to be braver and you need to be prepared to make decisions quicker. You need to be able to, you know, put your fork in the ground and go, this is what needs doing and I'm gonna back myself and do it. And I looked around and I realized with all respect to the organization that employed me, no one was gonna teach me how to do that. I had to figure out how to do that for myself. And then I sat there and I literally was like, if I knew what to do, I'd already be doing it. So I needed the help of somebody to almost shine a light into the distance and show me and help me and you know push me out of that comfort zone that I was currently in. And so that was the feedback I was given. You need to make decisions quicker, you need to be braver, and you need to 
not worry about everything being perfect and you need to get on with it anyway. And that was how I found HEW. I'd seen your content online. I'd seen, uh, you know, your really regular posts on social media. Um, and I just, I looked at you for a while. I did that thing I think a lot of clients do. They kind of stalk you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> and that just like, happened. You're and not on your own on yeah, that one. And I'm like, mm, yeah, she seems to be saying stuff that's resonating with me. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, I know I've, I probably need this. I'm not sure if I'm going to like it. It's going to be icky. It's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be hard. And uh, yeah, I remember just making the jump. The first conversation I had with you, we did the, like, you know, the fact find. Mm-hmm. I gave you all of my, these are the things that I want to work on. Uh, I remember we talked about the price uh, and I was like, yeah, that is an investment. And my company weren't paying for it. It was, I paid for the, I paid for the coaching. I paid for, you know, that block. And I was, I remember looking at it and thinking, this is the most amount of money I've spent on anything like this. You know, this isn't a twelve ninety nine order on Amazon of a book mm. that I'm going to only read half of it, put it down and then never do the actions, never do the worksheets that mm. are needed. And at the time, HEW was based in London. I live in Manchester. And I had to not only plan time in my diary, you know, I am employed, you know, I'm, I'm because I, I run a project and I do run my own diary, I had some flexibility there. But it meant that I would have to travel to London. It meant that every, you know, two, three weeks, I had to find time in my diary, not just to have the coaching sessions, but the travel up and down around it. And so that's when I, yeah, I, I made the commitment there. And then it's like, I'm putting, you know, my money where my intention is. My priority was was my growth and my development because I wanted to, to do the very best I could for my job and for my future. So yeah, I remember sending the money over, writing the check, getting my diary out and going, that's the priority, put it in your diary and make it happen. I have always been a huge fan and highly respected your level of commitment i've said that from day one because people you know do expect it to be something that's easy accessible in terms of like location or accessible in terms of financial commitment or they just think that things are going to like come onto their lap a little bit and you know you never had any any term of seeing it as an arduous task you was 100% committed. You're like, mm. Helen, I need this. I want this. And I am going to do this. I understand it's going to be hard, mm. but I am all in. And if I could bottle that commitment up and share it amongst the masses, then we would have so much more change because the commitment is the number one fundamental sort of variable that you need in the first place just before to give you anything some, else to, comes in to give you some context on that as well we had just bought our house together me and my, my now new husband <laughs> it's still very weird saying that just bought our first home together yeah. you know again I'd taken on new responsibility at work it wasn't like I say it's something that my employer was investing in at that point so I remember going home and saying to Chris you know I'm going to spend this money and I'm going to spend this time and not that he was he was like cool are you into it are you up for it I'm like yeah I'm really up for it but it's going to be you know it's going to be a commitment and he was just really calm he was like if you want to do it do it and I'm like I do and that was the difference is that I knew at that point nothing was going to change unless I changed and I wasn't going to change by keeping myself in the same way of thinking and I wasn't going to change by keeping myself in the same environment or the same comfort zone so I had to get uncomfortable I had to change the environment and I had to put myself around people who were going to yeah, make me see things from a different perspective so that I could grow to where I needed to be and where I wanted to be. And if I knew all that, then I would have got there already. And there was a saying, it said, it said a lot. I mean, anyone who's gone through any sales coaching, you know, you've definitely heard it. If nothing changes, nothing changes. And it's such a simple thing, but it's always stuck in my head is that if you want 
a different outcome. You have to have a different input. Mm -hmm. You can't expect to do the same thing again and again and again and get a different result. Uh, I think that isn't that like the definition of insanity. So I was looking at this new role I had. I was excited. I, you know, I am a type A personality. I always want to do the best at what I can do. What had happened to me in the seven, eight years since I'd gone from being self-employed to working with a great company and a great bunch of people who I was surrounded by is I'd lost sight of my own ambition. I'd become so used to supporting other people and, and being part of a huge wheel is I'd lost sight of the fact that oh no, you are confident on your own two feet and you do have goals of your own and you don't have to make them smaller to make other people feel better. And I think that was a great thing about me being self-employed from being such a young age. I didn't know that I was meant to be holding in my ambition or dumbing down my goals or you know, maybe doubting myself a bit more because I was so young and I was so new to it all that I was like, and I was surrounded by lots of other people who were also super motivated and confident some people may have looked at us at the time and gone, I don't know why that lot think they're going to achieve so much, but because we did, we did. Forward five, six, seven, eight years, I was around lots of other people who had got to that stage, you know, in your late mid to late 20s and you go into your 30s. People start saying things like, oh, you should just accept that's not the way life works or, you know, you should be happy with that salary or you should be happy with that house or you know you've bought a property now you know why would you want to buy a second or you know and especially as a female I'm happy to say you know lots of people oh are you going to get married now are you going to have a family now and I'm like is that it is that my ambition is that the only thing that I want to achieve and I fought against it for years and I'm all credit to people if that's their absolute goal and passion and purpose I'm not you know saying that's right or wrong it's it's just that I didn't feel that way but I found for five six seven years I just got too lost in the noise of everyone else's expectations and I think when I started working with the coaching and when I just drew that line in the sand my big motivation was I want to check that my decision making and my thoughts and my beliefs and my values are they actually mine or are they ones that I've inherited from family from my friendship group from the companies that I've been working with and done projects for because you inherit all these things into your mind and I actually couldn't distinguish whether it was my thought or someone else's and you know life gets busier you know you've got partners you've got friends you've got family members and my brain was just full to the brim I mean if if it was like a balloon if someone could have just put a little hole in it to let some air out that's how it felt so that was my big motivation is you know to get clarity you know to get some yeah to get some space to figure out you know what was actually holding me back what did I need to work on what needed to change and then what that meant for the future I totally remember that first session down in London it was quite an uneasy session for you as well wasn't it oh my god so uneasy (laughs) (laughs) I look back now and I was like I just I didn't know what to expect tears are coming in your eyes there oh my god it really was because like some people say oh is a coach like having a therapist I'm like no a therapist would be way nicer (laughs) (laughs) and not in like a mean way but I'm like no no no, you're not such um, a great review that yeah no but it was good like I don't think anyone like if I wanted to if I wanted a pity party yeah yeah I don't I don't offer that I'd have gone with coffee for my friends if I wanted to vent you know, you do, I don't know, you do that to whoever. I think the thing was, is that I hadn't said out loud a lot of the stuff. When you asked me questions, I was like, oh yeah, I've, you know, 
I haven't answered that question or thought about it in so long. There were certain things that you knew that you needed to get clarity over mm. and, you know, really kind of get to grips on for you and that, you know, you, you've just been discussing it now about living up to other people's expectations, always being there for other people and putting other people first and not you. That was evident. And you knew that you needed to do that. Yeah. Verbalising it and going through it in a logical order yeah. is a very different story. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like hats off to you for, keep, for continuing to come down to London to see me yeah. after that first session because it wasn't easy. Yeah. But you knew what you needed. You kind of knew what you needed to hear and you knew that it would do you good but mm. at that time when you're hearing it it's it's hard isn't it it's difficult yeah and they're the kind of they're the kind of things that i actually come up against with 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 individuals who know that they want to move forward but then aren't prepared for that for that level of uncertainty i and think that. it's the resistance uh, yeah because you know it's funny like obviously one of the big pillars of of, of your business model is that health before excellence and wealth um, and I've been someone who's been very focused on my health for a number of years interestingly I'd say it was probably part of the turning point in in a lot of areas of my career my relationships everything is that just before my 30th birthday I was you know like a lot of people do from a vanity you're like oh I want to look better I want to feel better I'd been traveling a lot with business and living in hotels for you know a couple of years and when you live in work in airports and hotels and entertaining and going out for meals and drinks you know uh, my health hadn't been the priority at all so I'd started going to the gym I'd started running and I'd started working out and I'd I'd applied that discipline and I'd applied that yeah just that commitment there and I knew that I needed to apply that same mentality to other areas of my life so it was it was very evident from that first point in conversation I knew how to put myself first. I just needed to, that resistance that you mentioned there, when you're training and you're in the gym, you know there's that level of resistance and it's painful and it's uncomfortable and it's a bit in the session that everyone hates, you know, in your gym session. But when you, there's no resistance in your training, you don't develop your muscle or you don't push past your fitness barriers. And when you were able to put it into that same context in my mind, I was like, ah, right, this is the middle of the gym session, the, the pit where my legs hurt and my heart's you want to give up and I want to go home (laughs) and you know why can't I be happy with a tub of Haagen-Dazs right now but the resistance as the same way that when we're physically training was a resistance within that conversation I knew the other the other side of that resistance was where you know the result that I needed to get to so did you have that awareness of that level of resistance within other areas of your life for example Mm. did you have that awareness already or was it like an initial fear of yours? Because it's not a case of, you know, it all is a smooth road in terms of, yes, okay, you wake up one day and you're like, I need a coach. I'm going to I'm going to ring Helen. And, you know, it's not a case of that happens. You will have fears and obstacles and, and things that you, that you have held on to prior. Talk me through some of them, Lauren. As you say, as you were asking the question, I was thinking, did I know that? I think I knew deep down. And if I could say, you know, one of the biggest learnings and the biggest benefits I've had from working one-on-one with a coach is I probably knew deep down I had it all within me like no one was going to give me this magic answer and I find this a lot is that you know people are looking for a magic you know this is the way to get to here this is the shortcut this is the life hack this is the you know this is how you get there quick and I'm like no no no. I, I know that whatever I need to do it's probably already within me I just need to you know uncover whatever's the dust on top of it or the layers that are crowding it I guess the big thing that a one-on-one the one-on-one sessions in particular did 
you were like a mirror reflecting back to me what I needed to hear and know. So it wasn't that you were telling me, like the thing that I found the funniest was in our sessions is you ask a question and then either, you know, we do the exercise written down or we do it verbally. Um, I'm very visual, so it really helped me that when you asked me to write things down, and because I had that commute up and down to London, you know, I had two hours on the way down and two hours on the way back, I remember reading the notes back and that's when it sunk in and that's when I would continue to write and, and, and answer more questions to myself. You were the mirror that reflected back to me what I needed to focus on and what I needed to hear and know but the words actually came out of my mouth it wasn't that you solved the problem for me you know like one of the things I'm happy to share the example is I was far too much of a people pleaser I know that's my natural disposition is that you know I think I think it's human nature we like to make the people that we love and that we care about happy you know I grew up in a, a big big family and you know we are our love language is acts of service by a country mile you know we we do things for each other and that's how we show that we care which transpires into me as an adult people pleasing to the wrong point to the wrong point isn't to a point that was detrimental to my goals so when you would ask me you know if you continue to do this how will that look in the future and what is the impact to that and what will the outcome be and then you'd ask me one level and i always thought of it like a trifle like you'd ask me the first question and I thought, right, that's the answer. And then you'd go, and what about that? And then you'd, you know, you'd chunk, you, you would say chunk it up and, and keep, keep going. And then we'd get to the end of that conversation. I'd be like, so if I continue to people please to this level that I'm currently at, it will actually result in me not getting to where I want to be, which will make me, you know, unhappy, unfulfilled. And then I will be so unhappy within myself and out of resources, time, energy, money, that I will never be able to please anybody because I will be in a hole in the ground. So you asked all the questions. I did the answering, but it was like I say, it was a reflection of, of honesty and that truth. And I, th I suppose that's the resistance and the uncomfortable part because it's not like you were telling me you should do this or you shouldn't do that, never at all was at the tone of our conversations but yeah that that honesty came from within and that's what was uncomfortable and at times emotional so I didn't weep <laughs> through every session but there was certainly point to where you know when you haven't come to conscious level of thinking about a certain part of your character or your habits or your relationships your career all of it in my opinion it's all interlinked but when you haven't come to that conscious thought of it when you do bring it up to the top level it, it can bubble yeah. and I think that's where I was really glad that there was a professional who you know again you had empathy but you were also like remember what you're here for start with the end in mind remember the goal remember the objective what is the outcome you want to achieve so this bit in the middle that feels icky and uncomfortable suck it up yeah just all part of it yeah no you did you honestly working with you over the last year has been so incredible i've been so proud of you because you have taken everything on and like what you've just beautifully expressed there it is all part of it and again it's kind of people wanting that that easy journey and yeah i'm not there as a, a point of authority to tell you what to do how to think and how to behave I give you the tools and I give you the, the questioning techniques and the, and the strategies that we work on for you to take ownership of it for you because you are completely different to 
three or four of my other clients, for example, you're all individual and I, I allow you to use the tools and use the time and the thinking time over you and your own internal beliefs, your external beliefs, all of that and put it all into something logical that works for you. And that is the beauty of it because when you come out the other end, you can completely say, I've done that. And that is your journey that you've taken ownership of to then say, actually, I put my hands up because I do need some help and I'm not afraid to say so. And, you know, I've had this guidance for, for however long, but now look at me. And this is you. This is your story. So when I see this, it makes me so proud. And I can remember one time, I think it was after the second half marathon that you completed, you contacted me and you told me how you'd got on and you said... For once, Helen, I didn't hear your voice in my mind. I heard my own. Yeah, I, rem I, remember, I remember it clearly. Do you know what? Yeah. That kind of shit gives me goosebumps. Ah. Because that I, it was important for me to be in your mind when you're going through your training and when you're going through everything that you're growing through and going through. But when a coaching client and an individual and somebody who I respect and admire so much says something like that to me, it makes my heart burst, honestly, because that just shows how far you've come yeah. and you have took complete ownership of that now and everything that is in your internal dialogue is yours. It's your words, it's your beliefs and it's your acceptance over who you are and what you've got to give and you know that what you've got to give on one day is completely and utterly enough because you will keep pushing and you keep pushing and you keep pushing. But... You don't keep pushing with the fact of, oh, I'm still not good enough or, you know, there weren't enough in the mm. tank there or whatever. You're totally appreciative and, and owning the fact of, you know, you are you and you're continuing to grow and develop every single day. Yeah. So hats off to you for that. I just want to um, just touch upon that in terms of your, that I mean, that's one key thing in my perspective, which was massive. And another thing, actually, which I will comment on is you said to me on another phone call that we had when we touched base of, I feel now that the penny has finally dropped. Yeah. Can you remember yeah, that? Yeah, 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 I do. And how long, how long after? Months. Months and months, months wasn't I, it? Yeah, I think that was, that was um, one, because when I started with the coaching, I, I remember telling my boss, as in the person who owns the company, he's, he, he owns um, a lot of businesses and uh, he runs big organisations. But as I say, I've mentioned him a couple of times, because we've worked alongside each other for over a decade, he's also become a friend. He, I remember saying, hey, I'm going to hire a coach. That feedback you gave me resonated. I heard it. It's, it's stuck and I'm working on it. And he was like, cool proud of you well done but no pat on the back no like here's the party celebration just crack on and then af after that conversation with him I didn't just didn't mention it to anyone else obviously my other half knew my team who I work with knew I was on a train to London a lot but they I, like I just didn't bring it up it was it was my journey it was my shit that I needed to grow and develop with so I didn't really tell many people so then a couple of months later I was like oh I've been working with a business coach and people ask you a lot they're like what is that and how does that work and why and I couldn't articulate it for a while I didn't I, I, I didn't want to overshare because I, I realized it was my personal development and the, you know the key there is the word personal um, I wasn't looking for anyone else's opinion I wasn't looking for anyone's advice and I certainly wasn't looking for their acceptance on it that's never been really part of my character anyway but then m a few months after that I was able to articulate it better because the penny had dropped for me and it was it was that thought process where I was like I can just clearly define 
my thoughts, my values, my goals, my objectives. And I found myself getting to the point because I was clear that it was my thinking through working through different exercises and through different parts of, of your programming. Like there was times when we were having good discussions and I was like, oh, I agree on this bit, but I disagree on that bit. And your feedback was always brilliant, Lauren. I'm not trying to make you a carbon copy of me. None of my clients, you know, I'm not looking to have HEW soldiers that all think the same, have the same beliefs, have the same habits. You know, the core parts of your business model, you were able to explain very well, this is how it will impact everything else, but it doesn't mean that you all have to think and act the same. So when I was able to explain to people later on, it was, it was, it was that very clear understanding that I, whatever it was that I needed to apply myself to, it was just within me. And the words that I've always had resonating in my mind is, is, is the sayings that you said a lot, you know, practice, you know, persevere, persistence, progress over perfection, back yourself. And I, again, you know, I still hear those words in my mind uh, in your voice. But as you mentioned there, when I'm when I'm running now, I, it, it's more in my dialogue and it's my internal churn of conversation is that, you know, not everything I've worked on, not every uh, project or task that I've applied myself to has worked, it's not been perfect. And I find myself going, stepping back and going, well, it's progress, it's not perfection. And you know, what did you expect? It wasn't gonna be perfect first time round. You know, there is a solution, it is all figure outable. Um, take a step back, but don't stop. And those were the things that, I guess, when you're not sure of those parts of your own dialogue, if you hit a roadblock in work, if you hit a roadblock in your business, if you hit a roadblock in relationships, you stop and as we all do, you know, it's that fight or flight, you stop and you think, I genuinely don't know whether to go right or left or to, you know, sink into a hole in the ground. And through the coaching, it allowed me to stop and go, right, that hasn't gone to plan. That hasn't come off how you expected it to. Breathe, but don't stop. Whereas I think a few years ago, I'd have gone, oh, well, that didn't work. That wasn't meant for me. That wasn't, you know, and I also would have blamed other people. So-and-so didn't give me that input. They should have done that. Whereas now I go, that didn't work. Okay, right, maybe everyone didn't do what they need to do, but I can't control what everybody else does. I can control what I do. I can control what I think. I can control how I react. And yes, I may need to take a step back, but don't stop. Take a step back, pause, get your breath, collect your thoughts and crack on and go again and I suppose that was the thing that I, when I was able to speak to like you know other colleagues or um some friend some close friends who've asked me about you know how does this coaching thing work <laughs> I'm like just allows you that space between knowing where you are where you want to be and really knowing what you need to do to get to get there at the end so you were never you were never coming into this with rose tinted glasses. I think your initial commitment with working with me was for twelve weeks. Yep. But then that twelve weeks turned into twelve months. Yeah, I remember the last session of the first block, and we wrote down what I felt I'd, you know, clarified what I'd learned, and then you know you said to me, "What do you think you got ahead of you?" And that list was three times the size of the list that I'd already completed. Achieved. So I was like, oh. And then I remember I did what I think most clients do. Let me take a break and have a think. And I remember you saying to me clearly, cool, but come back to me and let me know. And that was the point there when I said, stop and have a think, but don't stop and go backwards. Don't stop and, you know, just do nothing. So I think it was like four weeks later, I was like, right, okay, I'm going to completely back myself and, and keep going. You're in it for the long haul. Yeah, and uh, I'm so glad I did because I think people expect a short fix um, I don't think I did, to be honest, but that's probably because 
I've been in this industry that I'm in at the moment for so long that I knew you had to, you know, nothing happens in 12 weeks. And um, maybe I attributed it to the fact that I, you know, my fitness, I, I'm dead lucky. I, I'm surrounded by great people in, you know, the, the gym environment that I'm in. And you see all those adverts, you know, eight weeks to abs and 12 weeks to drop two dress sizes. And, uh, you know, it makes me cringe because I'm like, that, that, that shit isn't real. Yeah, you know, you might end up, you know, being starving yourself for eight weeks or beasting yourself four or five times a week, but that isn't sustainable for your health and that isn't, that isn't how you get long-term results. So I applied the same thinking to my personal growth and development is that I don't think by any stretch that, you know, you get to a, a point in your career or your age and go, you know, I'm 35, tick, that's me grown and developed. Mm. I think that's my worst nightmare is that, you know, I don't recognize myself from five years ago to where I am today, I'm sure that, you know, in another five years, I can, I'll be able to, I, I hope I'll be able to look back and go, you know what, you had these thoughts at the time or you had these ideas at the time and you thought that was, you know, the right track for you. Um, and I hope I continue to have that same outlook, which is we're always going to be growing. You know, there's always going to be other challenges, other stuff that goes right, stuff that goes wrong. And if, 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 if we look at everything in a, a 12 week block, you know what really can you do in 12 weeks you can do a lot but if you then just stop you know it's like you know planting a seed you need to keep watering it you need to keep getting sunlight you need to keep turning over the soil I just I think a lot of people um and my you know uh, peer group my age group you know we you know I'm just about make it as a millennial I think just about like in the no last I, don't, I, th- I don't think we are, are we? stop <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, that's the, that's the bad rep that we get is, you know, we want everything instant gratification. We yeah. want everything to be perfect. Um, so, yeah, I'm just glad that I've been around enough great people in business and in my, you know, my peer group that I go, that just doesn't happen that way. N- nothing. You've hit the nail on the head there in terms of, you know, you have to be in it for the long game. Yeah. You can't then just wave a magic wand. 12 weeks is a long time. You can mm-hmm. get a lot done. And some individuals, you know, in that time do fantastic things, but then they don't necessarily go to the level of progress that, you know, that, that you're going to. And you're, you're t- completely on the same wavelength as me by saying, you know, you completely just continue the journey. Mm. And it's not that you continue coaching, for example, but you continue growing, you continue learning, you continue developing, because there's always a new level. There's always something else that you can learn and that you can apply and that you can transfer into other areas of your life. So on that note, what would you say is the biggest surprise for you where you've you've taken on board all of these expectations all of the levels of commitment from yourself in terms of time, finance, um, the backing from home, mm. uh, the travel, everything that you've done, what's been your biggest surprise throughout all of the journey? I think probably two parts to this answer. Um, I say the biggest surprise was I genuinely did have it all within me already. Yeah. I maybe at the very beginning, I thought I was gonna have to change dramatically. And don't get me wrong, there's been change, you know, but it's what you were able to bring out in me is that I already had those solutions within myself. I suppose the other side of that, the bi- the biggest surprise is I I had layered over my ambition. I had layered over my competitive side of my nature. I had made myself smaller, really without realizing it. Um, I'd, I'd almost become apologetic for certain parts of my um, my personality or my um, character. Maybe it was because, you know, of 
I don't know, it's, maybe it's an age thing, maybe it was the people I was around, maybe it was all these other, I don't know, different environmental factors, I suppose is the easiest way to say it. But it was at the end of it, I was like, oh God, no, I really am more ambitious and I've been giving myself credit for like I've been maybe that little bit scared and letting fear and letting doubt creep into my mind in so many areas that I'd stop listening to the other side of my gut instinct and you know that 20 21 year old who deferred her university career to go I think I can start a business where did that girl go and that girl just got a bit you know got a bit bruised by some you know challenges and some mistakes and then you know adult life inverted commas took over and I started you know just going with the motion and going with the the waves of the ocean rather than going you know what just I want to be on that island over there and that's where I'm heading to so that was a big surprise to me yeah it was it wasn't a surprise to some other people I've had people who are very close to me and who you know I'm really lucky were able to say yeah we saw you dulling that down and we didn't we didn't quite know why so to be able to put my head back up you know shoulders back head up and go oh no, I'm not saying that, you know, I've got it all figured out. I'm not saying that I uh, I think I'm, you know, this, that or the other. And I think that's the tone. I'm saying this only from my own perspective, but often as a female in a room where I was often with, uh, you know, a lot of people, predominantly male, who I just let their noise and their voice become more prominent than my own. And I just, like I say, I just shrunk my own ambitions and my own confidence to fit into that room and I take full responsibility that that was my choice and my doing Mm -hmm. so that was a big surprise to me is when I uncovered that and stopped just stop letting other life stuff Mm -hmm. get in the way you know everybody has life drama everybody has you know will lose a family member everybody will have illness everyone will have financial trouble everyone will have just things that you go this is really not good fun and it's I really wish we didn't have to deal with it I suppose my whole attitude's changed in the last 12 18 months is that there's not going to be plain sailing in business or in personal life but I want to be ready for when those waves hit that I'm able to deal with them because they are going to happen like in whatever I do in my career over the next 10 years you know I expect things to go wrong not just with the oh it might go wrong no 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 100% I will fail at things over the next six months, 12 months, however long. Things are going to go really wrong. Unfortunately, I am going to lose members of my family who I love. It's human nature. It's the law of the universe. You know, things are going to go, I'm going to get challenges all over the place. What I am clear on now is that that goes wrong for everybody. But what I need to focus on is the, is the positive, find things to figure out, focus on what I can control, not what I can't control, don't waste all my energy wishing and hoping. Use my energy on what I can do. So, yeah, th- these are all the aspects that I had no idea that was going to come into it. I was like, I just want to do my job better. I'd really like to get promoted again. I'd really like to make more money. That's what I thought coaching was. And what I realized coaching was is, yes, those things, but so much more. It's like me expecting to get a fruit pastel rather than like, you know, a deluxe <laughs> box of chocolates. I honestly thought I was just going to get a little stingy, you know, sugar sweetie, <laughs> not like loads more. Well, I've been called worse <laughs> <laughs> than a fruit pastel. <laughs> anyway, 
moving on from that, you've just covered loads of loads of different aspects of what we've worked on. So I just want to drill down on some of those and then transfer it into what is actually provided for you. Mm-hmm. Because as a, as an individual, as a human, as someone who is really just got this amazing infectious energy and passion for everything that you do and the relationships that you have is just incredible. But I want to then look at how what we've worked on and what we've undone and what mm-hmm. we've developed has then helped you in other areas such as your work, such as your business, such yep. as, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. So, yeah, we've worked on your discipline. We've worked on your values and your belief system. We've worked on your personal acceptance mm-hmm. of, of you and kind of letting go of the perfectionist in you a little bit and things like that. We've, we've worked on your on, on, on challenges and then your reaction techniques, how you behave and you react to things. We've looked at your mindset and your internal dialogue a lot. Um, we've looked at um, growing you into somebody with that natural growth mindset, but also solutions focused as well, which is absolutely imperative for a job that you're in. Mm. So talk to me about kind of bringing all of that together. What has that then provided for you and, and meant for you within work and, and, and business fields? I suppose, um, I mean, there's so many things that you've mentioned there. The two that I'd highlighted I realise this this whole perfectionist thing, for example. I didn't realise that p- people who were like, oh, I'm a perfectionist, and we used to think, I, I genuinely, like a lot of people think that's a good thing, and there is positive qualities to it. However, I didn't realise that me trying to be perfect was actually because I was scared of losing control. And if I didn't do it perfectly, or if I wasn't in complete control of it, then that's what I was freaking out about. So... I suppose a couple of things that really worked for me, number one was the morning routine. I, you know, I'm often in different places, different cities, whether I'm on a train or a plane. And so I remember very clearly saying to you like, oh no, I can't have the same routine every morning. And you really calling me out on it. You're like, okay, so this is your routine at home. This is your routine if you're on a 7 a.m. train. This is your routine if you're on a 5 a.m. flight. And me just really pushing myself and going, okay, yeah, I really need to have a routine. So to kind of link that with the perfectionist thing is that I do this now very naturally. Like even, you know, work, work during the working week weekend, I just know before I go to bed what my morning routine will be. Sometimes it's very, very specific. Sometimes it's a little bit loose. So to give you an example, on, on a normal working day, I live out um, in the country. Um, I like to train early in the morning. I train at 6 a.m. So it means that I leave my house between 5.15, 5.20, which means I know my alarm has to go off at 5. I know I need to have my gym bag already packed, my laptop bag packed. And, you know, I know that I need to grab my food if I've got food ready for me to bring with me for the day. And I know that when I get to the gym then, 6 till 7, phone down, just train, 7 till half 7, shower, uh, grab some breakfast, sat, you know, at my laptop between, you know, 8, quarter past 8 every morning. It sounds so simple, but... I often see it and I see it with there's someone who I work closely with who's an entrepreneur self-employed and when I speak to them about their morning routine it's different every morning and they're like before I knew it the day ran away with me and it was 11 o'clock and I'm like oh, been there <laughs> like I, I thought I was being productive but I was just busy farting about so having a morning routine and someone pushing me and going you know basically calling out my own bullshit which was how busy do you think you are, Lauren? Like, you know, when that was where, I again, I look at my direct boss who runs a massive business, who has lots of people reporting into him, who has a family, who's on planes and trains way more than I am. And I'm like, okay, so if that person can have a morning routine and you don't think you can, you know, 
come on get a grip with yourself and seeing you continually set the example and lead you know and sometimes I'll be honest I'd open my social media and I knew that was a time drain I knew it was a time stealer of the biggest proportion and because I do some aspects of social media with my work I'd be like it's for work I'm like no it's not why are you reading an Instagram account about someone in Bali or someone in Thailand that is not work that is completely a time waster next thing that come up on my feed would be Helen coming out of a spin class at 7am and then driving four hours to a coaching client and I'd be like yeah I really am wasting time watching other people's lives on Instagram and kept telling myself I don't need a morning routine and it was just pure yeah it wasn't reality so that would be one example and I suppose the other the other big thing that sticks in my mind a lot is my own self-limiting beliefs and then going back and going well why do you think that and why are you telling yourself you can't do that and why are you telling you know and it sounds a bit annoying and to be honest it's like a child but why but why (laughs) you're like oh god I wish I could turn this noise off in my own head but I found myself doing it and especially like between myself and my partner you recognize it when you hear someone else say it and then I'd hear him say something oh no no that probably couldn't happen you know and it might be something silly like you know we probably won't make it across town in that amount of time and I'm like well if we take that part of the motorway and then do that not like I'm you know trying to (laughs) navigate like a formula one racer but I was like I could hear once I recognized my own I could hear it in conversation that I was having just day to day and then I was like oh my god I'm doing this so much more than I think there's so much more that I'm telling myself not to bother taking action on or not to even bother starting because if you can't do it right or if you can't have it completely perfect what's the point and I recognized that was something that we used to say in our family like I remember my parents saying it to me well if you're not going to bother if you're not going to do it right don't bother doing it at all and they didn't mean that to be something that stuck with me and held me back of course they didn't they were doing the very best they could and it was I'm sure every parent has said it and they usually mean you know if you're not going to tidy your room don't bother you know or if you're not going to mow the lawn properly get out my way I'll do it myself but that one thing that was going around in my head if you're not going to do it right don't bother doing it at all I'm like well why not maybe I'll just do it not intentionally do it wrong but I'll get it wrong and now I'll learn what doesn't work and then I can figure out well maybe this other route will work so those self-limiting beliefs and that conversation that was going around in my head once you'd switch the awareness on and once you've switched that light on it's almost annoying because you're like oh damn I've been doing this loads and and that's what I I could catch myself at work I could catch myself at home I could catch myself when I was exercising you know oh I probably shouldn't go for a run because um it's raining well Lauren you live in Manchester it's going to be raining 70% of the time so crack on or else you know you're going to be inside and dry so I just caught it loads and they were yeah that was really important I think between business and life Give me some. Give me a couple of examples of how this has actually helped you achieve more in business. Because obviously, you've got all your personal growth elements now. What you've just given examples over. But what has it actually then helped you be instrumental with growing any any new business development areas? Has it helped you with securing better deals? What just any specifics where you thought, yeah, actually, I've put myself forward for that, or of 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 dealt with that a lot better or I'm able to communicate better or I've developed part I've developed yeah. somebody in my team better from my own knowledge yeah give us some examples of that because 
it's so easy for people to then compartmentalize personal development mm. and you can say oh yeah i'm better at this and you know I'm, i get myself to the gym yeah but just because you can get up on time doesn't mean your life's gonna be better well done like what does it really mean yeah like yeah, what yeah. does it really mean because all of all of your increased discipline and your self-awareness and your routine and your momentum and the positivity mm. has naturally got to help you in other areas yeah and specifically business because you are you know driven you're ambitious you know you wouldn't have done all of that from such a young age had you not been so all of the development that you've had personally over the last 12 months mm. has got to naturally have, have brought you results and momentum in business and your career. Yeah, I think there's a couple of things that have sprung to mind instantly. I say the first thing is I'm calmer. Okay. So I am, I work with a great team, you know, I'm very lucky. I, I believe that I've got such a mixture of people around me professionally, experience, skill sets, but I'm just calmer. I'm calmer with the fact that because I don't think everything I have to do has to be perfect, I don't believe everything they have to do has to be perfect. And because I'm giving myself a gap in my thinking to breathe and respond, not to hit the roof or react. And I'm not someone who, like, I don't think I've ever really like lost my complete shit, like, you know, screaming, shouting. If anything, I do, I am a private, like, keep it all in and then I'm like I'm like a balloon that bursts and all my emotion comes out of my eyes and I get upset so I'm not a screamer shouter anyway so when I say I'm calmer it's not because I was losing my head at people but I'm just I look at things with much more of a pragmatic calm I actually don't believe in business anyone sets out to be a pain in the arse or to get one over very rarely anyway I, I think I see the good in people more because I realize that everyone's doing the best they can which makes me a calmer team member, team leader. You know, I interact with lots of different people on projects. It can be frustrating at times when people maybe drop the ball on something or, you know, they they haven't really taken on board their part that's needed as, you know, as a stakeholder, for example. So I'd say, number one, I'm calmer. And then the other thing is that that being braver is because I'm not afraid to say, I don't know what I'm doing here. I don't know the answer to that. And give me give me 24 hours and I'll find it. Or also to clarify other people's expectations. Um, you know, the project that I've been working on for 18 months, super proud of it. You know, when you're involved in one project at a time, like I've done it where before where I've had lots of small to medium ones and it's multi-project based. I've had one pure baby really for the last 18 months and it looks it looks at the moment I think I'm okay to say this that we're wrapping the project it served its purpose it's grown it's done well figures have gone in the right direction but it's no longer game-changing so we've sat down you know with the board of directors and they've gone listen it's great but it doesn't warrant another you know half a million pound investment it's great let's keep it on as a as a, a brand within the uh, portfolio um, but you know it's done the best it can do and it's not because anybody's failed or it's not because anyone's you know right or wrong it's just not business critical now I think 18 months ago I'd have been stomping like a teenager and been like and if so and so had done this and if that had done that and now I'm like okay because I actually know I've done the very best I can do I think there's still other things that we could do we could have tried this and we could do that yes but what I also accept is the bigger picture and I think that's a big part of my development is going okay I understand that it's not just about being petulant and it's not just about 
I'm all for standing up and fighting for what I believe in 100%. And I believe in the project that we've been working on and the product that we've built. However, I look at the data, I look at the users, I look at the investment, I look at the time, I look at the resources and go, they probably could be better spent somewhere else that will game change, that will make a really big impact. So I'm like, okay, let's see how we can wrap it to the very best of our ability so that if we need to come back to it in six months, eight months and ramp it up again, it's there. So I'm, yeah, I suppose I'm calmer, much more. I look at things on a, a higher level to try and make sure I'm looking at all the pieces of the puzzle, not just mine. It's that, are you looking at it from your perspective? Are you looking at it from the person's perspective one step back or another step back again? And then can you consider all the options and go from there? I, th- I suppose, as I've, I've mentioned a couple of times, I've realized I've unearthed a little bit more of my competitiveness and you know a bit more of my oomph in me. So there's definitely been times where I've gone, I need more money on that budget or I need a bigger discount on that print run because there's no way that I'm paying that much for it. And you know, come on, you need to give me a better price on that. So just uncovering that means you do get that little bit back, which is a, all right, that's your first offer. That's a really good first offer. Come back to me and tell me what your second offer is. Okay, that's, that's, that's an improvement, but you know, what can we get again? And, and not being, I suppose the final bit on this I'll say is, when people disagree with me or when people give me feedback that they haven't been happy with me, yes, I'm listening and I accept that, but I'm, it actually doesn't upset me now. Whereas previously I would have been, I'm upset by that, I'm taking that personally. Even if they are criticizing me personally, they may be criticizing my decisions or my actions or my behavior, but that doesn't mean me as an individual is a bad person. I may have actually just made a bad call or it might just be their view, but they might only have seen chapter one of this story and I know another eight chapters that they don't. So their opinion or their story or their spin on it, I appreciate that that's their spin on it. They'll appreciate that that's, I may have a different take on it and somewhere in the middle is that version of reality, but I'm just not emotionally reacting to it. I'm like, you're entitled to yours, I'm entitled to mine. Neither's right or wrong, just thinking makes it so. So it will be what it will be. Fabulous. I, uh, I just think that any level of personal growth and individual awareness of that heightened state now that you have got is a credit and a benefit to any business, whether that's employed, business that you're in now. Obviously your workplace is a, is a better environment for a, for a growth uh, in, in yourself. Um, and for a, a better version of who you are with all your credentials. And I think the, the business and the people that are around you have, have, have certainly had to have benefited from, from your journey. And that will continue to go on, whether you are going out off into your own business and anything else that you obviously turn your hand to. Finally, just to wrap it up for me, what would you say as your, your piece of advice for people considering coaching? Because you come from a different perspective. You know, you're not, you're not an existing business owner. You've been there, you've done that. You took time out. You, you're in a very, very successful mm. career now. The future may hold something where you, you know, you're in your, your own business. And I know you're surrounded with it with family and you've mentioned your dad and things mm. like that. So, you know, it's about watch this space anyway, I do feel. But what would be your advice for people considering coaching and personal development? Knowing all of the benefits and cross-referencing that as well against all of the sacrifices that you've made, mm. what would you say to an individual that would come to you and say, so is it all worth it then, Lauren? Good question. Very good question. I think I'd start by saying is it's very easy to sit on the sidelines and it's very easy to be a spectator. 
it's not easy to be on the field. You know, I grew up in Manchester, so I, we're surrounded by football. I'm married to a massive Manchester United fan, so we're in the season where, you know, things aren't going so hot. <laughs> um, it's dead easy for people to be a pundit. It's dead easy for people to be, you know, in the terraces telling, Ollie should be doing this with the team, they should be doing that. I'm like, do you know what? You may have a very good opinion and you may have really good theory, but while you are sat on the sidelines and you're not prepared to get on the field and get your ass kicked, that's the difference. So whether you're employed, self-employed, small business owner, medium business owner, big, whatever it may be, you've already, if you've already taken the, the step to come off the sidelines, to not be a spectator and to get your ass kicked on the field, it's bloody tough. Like, you know, whether you, like I say, self-employed or not, it just really helps to make sure that if you're on the field, you're surrounded by the right people. I, I don't know who said this quote. I'm, I, I may be even uh, completely killing what the original one was. But someone had said, your business or your role, it can never be as big or it will never be as big as your own personal growth will be. So you can't expect your business or your performance to grow if you're not going to grow. So you might be happy with your current revenue or you might be happy with your current level of performance, but it's, 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 that's all it's going to be. And especially in today's business world or an employment world, things move so quickly. You know, again, I, I work in technology and something that's a good idea one week is not the next. A piece of software that works six months ago is already outdated. You need to keep moving forward. You know, I've used that analogy a couple of times about, you know, getting crashed by waves and being in the sea. That one works for me because it reminds me that water does not stand still and we do not stand still. Time doesn't wait for anybody. So if you're considering it, what are you actually waiting for? You know, there is no better time than right now that's in front of you to just get started. And it does take time. So personal growth, business growth, again, anything that's worth anything takes time to build. And I think you as an individual are your own biggest asset. You know, a company can, a company may not need you tomorrow. You know, I'm super aware, you know, especially because I'm a project manager. Once a project's done, you know, I can be like, tick, done, turn the lights off on your way out. Like, that's the reality of the role that I live in. So the person who I need to rely on the most, I value my employers. I love the people I work with. I think it's a great industry. But the person who I have to rely on is me. You know, as a business owner, there is no one more important in your business than you. And you might think, you know, having a really nice car impresses your clients or having a really flashy website impresses, you know, and generates leads for your business. There is no one that is more important to grow within your business than you. And so I, I just, I think, get off the sidelines, stop being a spectator, be prepared when you get on the field, you're going to get your ass kicked. Um, but that's the only way you're going to win the trophy at the end. Thank you very much. I couldn't have said it better myself. We'll just wrap it up right there. There's nobody as important as you. That's what I always have said from day one. It's a case of you are the person behind your business. You're the driver, you're the strategy, you are the everything, aren't you? And if you are growing, then your business is growing naturally. If you are staying still, your business is staying still. If you stopped and you've, you've decided to go backwards through losing momentum or anything else, that is naturally then going to transfer that that level of momentum as well into your business and that also then starts to detract so Lauren thank you so so much for such a fabulous interview I hope it's been of value to you listeners at home because as I say it's important for you to understand this from a client perspective not just my perspective not just from somebody out there that is already in business and very active not from the interviewees who are obviously already in business 
running successful businesses, have got award-winning businesses, global empires. It is somebody then who is actually then on the field, like Lauren's just been saying, prepared to get your ass kicked, rolling your sleeves up, being quite aware that you have to be exposed. And once you're exposed, is that's when you've got that awareness then switched on to how you can grow and how you can develop going forward. So Lauren, thank you so much for your time. It's been such a pleasure to have you. Thanks on. for having me. You're very welcome. Thank you for listening to the HEW podcast. For continued support, please subscribe using iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, or SoundCloud. And if you've enjoyed the episode, please leave a five-star review on your download platform. Tune in for more value and more content the same time next week.